Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Uh, Well, good morning to you and welcome to Liberty. My name is Tim. I serve as one of the pastors uh, here. We're really glad uh, that you're with us this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn it to Psalm 116. I'll be there in... Seconds, um, but this morning we're continuing our uh, our five week series on learning how to pray from the Psalms. Uh, and the Psalms have a variety of prayers, but we try to summarize them into to five. And five prayers that uh, four of which have always been easy for me to pray. One has always been difficult. Those five prayers, as, as we've begun to, to walk through them, are, are help. Wow. I confess why and thank you. Uh, It's been easy for me to pray help throughout my life because I need help all the time. It's not hard for me to pray wow because I have seen the beauty of the Lord. I've been to Glacier National Park. I have seen the Tetons in Wyoming. I have Sung the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field as the sun sets. I've been assembled into Assembly Hall to watch the Indiana Hoosiers defeat the number one team in the country on more than one occasion. Once even another team that we won't name from last year. I pray uh, with ease, I confess. I have plenty to confess. And for whatever reason, how God has made me, the easiest prayer to pray my whole life has always been... Why? There's one prayer, though, that's always been more difficult for me, and that is thank you. That is changing. God's been cultivating gratitude into my heart. And so this morning we're going to talk about that from Psalm 116. But it's kind of a strange Thanksgiving psalm. So I'm going to read it for us and hope you notice why this is a strange Thanksgiving psalm. Uh, So Psalm 116, I'm going to read this. We'll let this be our prayer leading into Scripture. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. He inclined his ear to me. Therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of shale laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted even when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my rashness, everyone is a liar. How could I ever pay to the Lord all the goodness he's given to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord 
in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You've loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. It's an interesting Thanksgiving psalm because there are two of the most interesting verses back to back that I have found in all of Scripture. Verse 11, I said in my rashness, everyone is a liar. It's a pretty strong thing to say. Everyone is a liar. And then the very next verse, how could I ever repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? How do you go from everyone is a liar to how could I ever repay the Lord for all his goodness to me in one thought? Well, I want to suggest to you that is, that is the, the path to praying thank you, is those two verses. Uh, and so this morning, I want to start with, uh, with why praying thank you is difficult. What's going on there? Why praying thank you is, is challenging. There's lots of ways we can meditate on this. Uh, but I'm just going to name two reasons this morning. Uh, one reason that's in the psalm and one reason that's just a part of our, our culture that I think is worth naming. That the first reason it's, it's difficult for you and I to pray thank you is the, the culture in which we live. We live in a, a culture of discontent. Uh, we live in a time and place that trains us, teaches us, disciples us into discontent. So we're we're trained to look down at our hands and see not, not what is in them, but what is not in them. Uh, so to illustrate, modern advertising is built on this premise. So to take a look at this two-page ad, the first page. What do you think this ad is for? We all hope it's not for Lake Michigan tourism. <laughs> Come to the dunes and be sad. <laughs> Whatever they're selling to you, they are cultivating discontent. You don't have something. So what don't you have? Well, uh, here's the answer. A dog will make you happier. That's the ad. You cannot be happy until you have a dog. Those of us who have a dog may not agree with the premise of that ad. But what's interesting is that, ad's, it's, that ad is not even for like a place you can go and adopt a dog. It's for pedigree. Who sells dog food. So here's the deal. Pedigree is thinking, how do we get people to buy our dog food? And the answer is not to say, hey, you have a dog, and it's hungry. And we made food. So give that food to your dog. And it won't be hungry anymore. Instead, their, their pitch to you is, listen, we know you're a miserable person. So buy our dog food. <laughs> And that's how modern advertising works. It tells us you don't have what you need to be happy, do you? So let us sell you something. And research has been done that shows the average uh, American sees between 4,000 and 10,000 ads per day. Driving along I-94, listening to your podcast, the banners on your internet browser. Thousands of times you are invited a day, to look down at your hands and see what is not in them. 
Author Wayne Muller Muller summarizes this dynamic well in his book, Sabbath. Speaking on behalf of, of the advertising industry. Until and unless you buy what we are selling, you will never be happy. Look at the people wearing our clothes, drinking our coffee, sitting on our furniture. Don't they look happy? We know you're not happy. We know that when you look at all, these, all the fun these young, beautiful people are having, you will realize that you have never been that happy. And if you ever want to be that happy, you had better buy from us while you have the chance. Now, I know I, because I'm naming this now, we all know how ridiculous this is. And yet, as someone who's trying to cultivate gratitude and contentedness in my life, I feel how much our culture is selling me this. Look at all I don't have. And when that's my meditation, it's really hard to meditate. Thank you. How could I ever repay to the Lord all the goodness he's given to me? So that's the first reason praying thank you is challenging. The second reason, it's, it's in the psalm. And it is, uh, it's clear something really terrible happened to this person. And that's the second reason praying thank you is difficult. Because if you live long enough on this planet, something really terrible will happen to you. So what happened to, to this person that they, they prayed everyone is a liar? What would have to happen to you in your life to, for you to scan all of your relationships and say, I can't trust anyone anymore? Everyone is a liar. But it gets worse. It's clear the psalmist almost dies on top of that. Right? The, the snares of death encompass me. The pangs of shale laid hold of me. It's... He pictures death as, as, as ropes tying him and constricting him and, and taking him down below the earth. So he has everyone meaningful to him abandon him, and he's about to die. And it's hard to pray thank you in that moment, right? And, and I know, because I know many of the stories in this room, you are in one of those moments, or you've been in one of those moments. And if one of those two things isn't true of you, you're going to be in one of those moments. So how do you pray thank you in a world where really terrible things happen to us? What's interesting is we we actually don't know with specificity what happened to the psalmist. Just that people betrayed him and he almost died. In some ways that's, that's a gift to us. Because you can import your own really terrible thing into this space. To be, to be offered a guide to get from everyone is a liar to how could I ever repay the Lord for all his goodness to me. So that's why it's, this is a difficult prayer some days to pray thank you. Because we're trained in discontent and really terrible things happen to us. And so uh, I want to spend the rest of our time meditating on, okay, how does the psalmist get from everyone is a liar to gratitude? How do we get from the prayer which uh, Kevin, Pastor Kevin, will talk through? Why to, to thank you? And so to make that journey, the first step you have to, to take is you have to be someone who speaks honestly to God. Speak honestly 
to God. I love verse 10 because the, the phrase, I, I, and I, I confess, 10 and 11 and 12, I'm, I'm through my own translation there. But, but verse 10 is literally just, I trusted when I said. And so when he begins to speak out the lament part of this psalm, he's saying, even when I was, was praying strong things, those prayers of honesty were acts of trust before the Lord. I trusted when I said I was greatly afflicted, verse 10. And what a great phrase. Every time you speak to the Lord, it's an act of trust. Anytime you, you tell him honestly what's in your heart, you're, you're trusting him with that. And that's what the psalmist is, is getting at. Even, even if it's a rant. And to say in your life that everybody is a liar, is a, that's a pretty strong thing to say. But he's, I, I said it, is what he's saying. In my, some say panic, some translations it's panic, some it's rashness, verse 11. He's like, I, I know what I said wasn't fully true, but it was, it was there in my heart. So I spoke it. I trusted the Lord with it. And that's why we're doing a series on learning how to pray from the Psalms. Because the Psalms teach us how to speak honestly to God. That you will read things in the Psalms, you will be shocked, or in the Bible. The first time someone told me, hey, read through all the Psalms and learn how to pray, I was like, have you read the Psalms? I don't think you've read the Psalms. I can't pray those things. I had good Sunday school illustrate, like teaching. Like, you can't say those things. Well, apparently you can. Because we're to speak honestly to the Lord. So every one of us at some point has some kind of like just rash rant prayer. Like everybody is a liar. What was it for you? Or maybe what? What is it for you? And did you trust it to the Father? Or have you trusted it to the Father? Have you trusted his words? Or your words to him? What's in your heart? Have you spoken honestly to him? Because what happens right after the rant comes out, how could I ever repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? It seems to be a trajectory from honesty to gratitude. And I don't know how long that took. From rants, laments, pray and rash things to gratitude. I mean, in the scriptures, it's one verse. It's like one line to the next. I don't know if that was a day for him. If it was weeks, if it was months, if it was years. But I think he's telling us it's honesty and then it's gratitude. And I've experienced that in my, my own life. My own life, one of, the worst day of my life to one of the best days of my life, it was six days. So the, the worst day of my life, I, I can date. Many of you maybe have a similar experience. It was March 20th, 2017. If you've been around here, you know you've heard me tell a bit of this story. So I won't go the, the full Link. But it was a Monday, Monday morning, I did my normal thing, which was go to Planet Fitness. And at Planet Fitness, I received a phone call from our oldest son's doctors. And the voicemail was, uh, Tim, this is Dr. So-and-so, Isaiah's neurologist. I need you to call me back immediately. It's not an emergency, but call me back immediately. If you've ever, and listen, I'm, if you're a neurologist... I just want you to know I love you, even though I'm about to say something. 
And that, if you've ever been around neurologists, they're strange cats. So that's just how I interpreted that voicemail. Like, that's a strange thing to say. So I call him, and he said, hey, we need you to take Isaiah to get blood work done today. Do not wait. It needs to happen today. But it's not an emergency. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I'm like, I understand that you're crazy, but okay. And, and so then you're, you know, it's your processing. Do I ask him, what are we, what are we testing for? And so I asked him, and it became clear they were pretty confident our son had Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most common terminal diagnosis given to children. And I spent most of the rest of that day in between taking Isaiah to get blood work done to, to Google the future of my son. And it was the worst day of my life. That's not this, this sermon. But I know you're going you're gonna to have that day. And for the next six days, I, I prayed my own version of verse 11. And it was pretty, it was rash. It was panicked. But it was honest. And I took it to the Lord. And I trusted him with my words and with where my heart was. So you got to speak. If you want to pray, thank you. You have to speak honestly. So that's, that's first. The second uh, is, is you need to, to be able to see God's intervention of goodness into your life. We sang a line earlier, ago, earlier that, that God's goodness is, is running after me. Do you believe that? That like today, God's goodness is chasing after you and it might get you today. But if it did get you, would you see it? Do you see God's intervention of goodness into your, to your life? That I, I love the way the psalm begins because he says, The Lord inclined his ear to me. It's, it's the, the verb stretched out, which is like God like stretched out his ear to make sure he heard every word the psalmist was speaking up to him. I love that image. And, and some of that, why I love that image is because I know my own failure of listening. Uh, I was in drumline for, for several years play drums live in a lot of environments. So like my hearing's not the best. So every now and then I'll be in a conversation. If there's lots going around me or the, the acoustics of a room isn't great, I'll hear about 60% of what's said. Which if I'm not interested in the conversation, I'm, we're good. That 60% is more than enough. And I won't lean in. But there are other times when it's I, like I'm engaged and I, like I, have to, I have to pay attention to pay attention. To hear everything that's being Said, and what the psalmist says about God is he, God's not like me, thank God for all that, but he, he leaned in when the psalmist was praying, Everyone is a liar. God ensured he wasn't going to miss a word of what the psalmist was speaking to God. Do you believe that God listens to you like that? That I'll hear Christians say sometimes, You know, that problem's not that important, God's got better things to do with you. Well, that's not what this psalm says. This psalm describes God as a God who stretches out, he, he, he extends his ear to hear everything that you say to him. And that's why the psalmist says repeatedly, I'm going to call in the name of the Lord for the rest of my life. Because he, listen, he listens to me. He's heard me. I mean, that, what an amazing intervention of God's goodness into our life just there. 
The, the God of the universe is not too busy for us. And when we speak our honest words before him, he extends his ear out to listen to what we have to say. And maybe you hear that and, and think, I, I don't know. I don't know that he does that, that for me. Or maybe you think, I haven't had this experience of goodness that one, one Psalm 116 uh, describes. And I just, what I want to do for the rest of the sermon is just to meditate on... Our, our ability to see God's goodness in our life. Like, can you see it? If it showed up in your life today, would you know it was him? Or would you miss it or, or think it was something else? And so I want to I meditate through four questions for the rest of our time uh, together. Four questions for us to meditate on to, to make sure we see God's goodness when it, when it shows up. So question one, uh, how much has our culture trained us or trained you into discontent? How much have you been discipled into discontent? And one of the reasons why I'm learning to pray thank you more is, is I'm, just like, I'm just tired of complaining about things. And I, I'm really good at complaining. But the other reason is, and I, I want to be careful how I say this, but I do want to say this. Sometimes, like being a pastor, your primary role is to receive complaints about the church. I just want you to know, I will always receive those and honor you with that. Because I, I love you and, and it's okay. But it can get tiring. But then there's other people who, just for whatever reason, just say thank you to the point where you're like, I don't think you really meant that. <laughs> like, you say thank you too much. And one of those guys, and we lost him a couple months ago, was Mike, Mike Kellogg. Uh, Mike went home to be with Jesus on, on Sunday, June 25th. Longtime member. Here, and, and if, you, if you know him, Mike was on Moody Radio for a long time, an amazing voice. Like, I should have had him just read my sermons while he was with us. That would have been way better. But anyway, so he, he, he went home. But there was one Sunday, a few months in, of course, I know who he is. I know who he is. But one Sunday after our service, he stopped and he said, Tim, I need to tell you something. It's clear you take the reading of public scripture, the, the public reading of scripture, very, very seriously. And, and you do a good job. Thank you. Now, I don't know if that's true, that I actually do a good job. But here's like, that's his profession. And he, he didn't see what's not in me yet, which is I have a long way to go there. He saw what's in me and he said thank you for it. And it, I just, those moments, like, I want to be like that. I want to I see what's in the people around me and say, and not say, well, here's what you didn't do for me, but to say, thank you for what you have done for me. But I'm trained in discontent. I'm trained to see what's not there. And so that's the first question. To med- how much maybe are, are we trained into discontent? That's question one. Question two is, uh, do you have eyes to see God's goodness in your life? Like if God showed up today, intervened in your life, and like personally handed you something good, would you know it was him? And I know that question sounds ridiculous, but uh, I love psychological experiments. And one of my favorites is the selective attention experiment. And here's what it was. It's where uh, testers had people watch a video of three people in white t-shirts passing a basketball around. And then there were three people in black t-shirts defending against the passing. And what you were told was, okay, watch the video and you count the number of passes and then tell us how many passes there were at the end of the video. So then they'd watch the video. But here's the thing. In the middle of the video, 
a guy in a gorilla costume would walk into the middle of the vi- middle of the, the game. He beat his chest. He starts walking off the screen. Then he waves one last time and then walks off the screen. A few more passes, video over. So then it ends. They, how many passes were there? 14. People give their answer. Then they would be asked, did you notice anything else in the video? And people would look at them like, no. <laughs> so you didn't see the gorilla in the video. And people would be like, there's a gorilla in the video? Then they would show it again and you see the gorilla. See, the point is like, we, we get our mind focused on something that we miss. <laughs> Pretty significant things really easily. And so I'm inviting you this morning to consider getting your eyes locked onto God's goodness. And we see the psalmist committing himself to this type of life. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Literally, it's, it, that's verse 9. I will walk before the face of the Lord. I'm going to live in his presence. I'm on the lookout for what he's doing. I'm attentive to him above all else. So is your attention fixed on the presence of God? Walking before him. Attentive to what he's doing. And so if you want to grow in your ability to pray thank you, one of the things I want to invite you to consider is to schedule time, whether that's once a week or, or once a day, solely for gratitude prayer. It's actually a famous prayer. It's called the prayer of examine, but you don't have to go that complicated. It's just at the end of a day or the end of a week, sit down and walk back through your day or walk back through your week and ask, how did I experience the Father's love for me today? Where was his goodness? Where did he love me? And then just start, I woke up and then just walk through your day. And then as things come to mind, thank God for those things. Write them out. But here's what, here's what I promise you. If you regularly engage in that practice, what's going what's gonna to begin to happen is rather than needing the time at the end of the day to notice those moments, you're going to notice them as they're happening. You're going to see the gorilla walk onto the screen. I shouldn't compare God to a gorilla. That's terrible. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You're going to see, and, and it just oh, this was a week ago, I was... I was at a house, and one of the things I've always prayed for is for godly adults to be in my kid's life. Like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the pastor. They're going to hear preach mostly. I need, we need genuine Christians around them. And right there, we're invited over to dinner to someone's house. And right there, the, the person who invited explained who Jesus is to him in a beautiful way to my son who's thinking about baptism. And as it was happening, I was like, God, I prayed for this. Thank you. And just experience that God's goodness. It got me today. <laughs> It caught up to me, and I'm experiencing it uh, now. Would you see God's goodness if it walked on screen and, and beat its chest at you? Uh, question three, uh, do, you, do you listen when others tell you of God's intervention of goodness in their life? When others start talking about God's goodness breaking into their life, do you listen Another confession, uh, when I moved here, there, there was one thing about liberty I, I really did not like. And that is, uh, I've always considered Thanksgiving as the pastor's holiday. No services, you do not want to hear from me. And if, if I'm honest, I would prefer not to hear from you that week either. I said, we all agree, we're going to eat a lot of food, we're going to leave each other alone. That's what we're going to do. But then I find out there's a Thanksgiving service here the night before Thanksgiving. This is no longer the thing. Well, yeah, it's amen, but not, we're not there yet. Thanksgiving holiday 
it's now gone for me. I have to work on thanks on Thanksgiving. But I came last last Thanksgiving was the first one I came to, and it was it was probably my favorite favorite service of, of the year. Listening to how God's goodness intervened in people's lives. And I was probably more in a place that, that night of like, I, I need some of this. I haven't seen much of the goodness recently. And as I heard people tell their stories, I began to just sense, if he did it for them, he's, he's chasing me too. And someday he'll, he'll get me. He'll catch up. And that's why Psalm 116 ends where it ends. The psalmist has to go public with his gratitude. I will, I will pay my, verse 18, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord. In the midst, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm, gonna, I'm going public with my gratitude. So on the one hand, go public with your gratitude. And on the other hand, listen when others begin to share their story. And then uh, fourth, fourth, final, where, where we'll end, last question to meditate on. Has God intervened his goodness into your life, but you forgot? There's stories of all, uh, of all over the scriptures where people experience some of the most enc- dramatic encounters of God's goodness in history, but forget. God parts the Red Seas for Israel. Egyptian army bearing down on them. They have nowhere to go, so God's like... Splits the sea wide open, they get through safety. And like a few months later, they're complaining about what they're eating and they want to go back to Egypt. They forget. Peter witnesses three years of dramatic healings, teaching, the power of Jesus, and promises faithfulness to the end. But when, when Jesus gets arrested and goes to a cross, Peter, Peter doesn't, doesn't care about those things anymore and denies Jesus. Scriptures are full of those examples. God intervening into the lives of someone and they, they forget. And so consider this. If God has intervened in your life, write down those stories and those dates and put them somewhere precious. Write it in a journal. Write it in your Bible. I know one people that, that did this, uh, they, they have stones with dates written on it. and They're, they're going Old Testament with uh, like Joshua. Because if you don't write it down, you'll forget. Blaise Pascal, the, the brilliant scientist and mathematician, uh, didn't just write out the intervention of God's grace into his life in a journal or um, in his Bible. He had it sewed into his clothes. So when he died, they found, they found these words sewed into his jacket. This is exactly what was sewed in. The year of grace, 1654. Monday, November 23rd, from about half past 10 at night until a half past midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ. My God and your God, your God will be my God. Forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, joy, joy. Tears of joy. There are two things I love about about this. One is exact date and time. 
Monday, November 23rd, 1654, 10.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. Something happened to Blaise Pascal. And he never forgot it because he sewed it into his clothes. The other thing I love about this is about half of what he said, I have no idea what he's talking about. And I don't need to. Because he experienced the goodness of God and he vowed never to forget it. What days has God intervened his goodness into your life? Could you name some dates right now when God's overwhelming goodness intervened into your life? Well, let me, let me name one for you, from me. Sunday, March 26, 2017. Six days after Isaiah's diagnosis. I was a pastor then, so sun, that was a Sunday. I had no chance I was preaching and working, so I took that Sunday off. Uh, and my family and I, we decided, let's get out of town. Let's go a ways away from Kansas City, where we were living at the time, to, to Lawrence, Kansas. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm a huge Indiana basketball fan. And every time there's been a meaningful game between Indiana and Kansas, Kansas has beaten Indiana. So I hate the University of Kansas with everything in me. So the idea that God would in any way be present in Lawrence, Kansas, I don't know why I thought that, but for whatever reason, that's where we went. And we're in Lawrence, Kansas, and, and we go to church. And for whatever reason, that Sunday, I experienced the presence of God in palpable and real ways. And, and it was one song in particular the lyrics, in our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. And it was that, long, that was the word condescended. Jesus condescended into my darkness. And that just blew me away. Like the Son of God, God himself, condescended into my, to my prayer, everybody is a liar. He's right there with me in the darkness. We left church. We had breakfast together. Again, we're in Lawrence, Kansas. Like, this is, this is Dante's circle of hell. This is where I am. And yet, the presence of God. And I, just, I remember being at breakfast and being overwhelmed with, at that time it was our three boys in Misty, and thinking, I have so much and I haven't seen it. And I didn't have Psalm 116 at the time, but I have it now. And my prayer that day was, how could I ever repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? That was it. Like, it was just, and my wife would tell you the same. It was a powerful day for us. And moved us from one of, of grieving and lament into a place of, of gratitude. From everyone is a liar to how could I ever repay the Lord for all his goodness to me. And so how do you, how do you make that? That journey. Well, hopefully I've helped a little bit, but the reality is it's still hard. If, if you've had something really terrible happen to you, it's really hard to pray, to pray thank you. And so let's end where the psalmist ends. So he asks this question, what could I give to the Lord for all his goodness to me? And what he answers is, I will lift high the cup of salvation. So what's that? Uh, what is the cup of salvation? Some people believe it, it was the Thanksgiving offering. You could take a cup into the temple and pour it out as a, an offering of thanksgiving. Some commentators think it's that. But it's not the cup of thanksgiving. It's the cup of salvation, which is different than the cup of thanksgiving. So some commentators point us to a different psalm or to another psalm where we, 
we hear about another cup. You've probably heard this psalm before. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup overflows. The image being, you know, have you ever been to someone's house and they start pouring you a drink? Sometimes they won't leave you enough gap and you, it's, you're going to spill it on yourself. Well, it depicts the Lord here is like he doesn't just not leave the gap. He pours and then it overflows and he's like still pouring. That is his goodness towards you. That is his limitless mercy and goodness that he desires for you to experience in your life. Do you believe that? That God desires to overflow your cup and to flood your life with his mercy and goodness. And if you don't, if you don't believe that, then I'm going to try one more time and then I'll take my seat. But if you still don't believe that, well, there, the prayer, everyone is a liar. There's only one person who could ever have really prayed that. And that's Jesus. You think about the end of Jesus' life. It's the religious leaders lying about him and who he was, what he had said, so that they could kill him. It was witnesses who came and bore false witness against him so that he could be convicted and put on to a cross. It was his own disciples who lied about him. Peter said, I will never, ever forsake you, Lord. I'm going to, the, to death with you. And then what do we find Peter do? We find Peter denying Jesus to, to teenage girls because he has no courage. Everyone lies to Jesus at the end. And yet, what do, we, what do we find him doing? Condescending into our darkness on a cross so that he could pray, Every, everyone is a liar on your behalf, and say, that, that may be true, but I'm going to take that prayer into the, into the grave, and then I'm going to come out alive with resurrection power to invade into your life. So if you think the goodness and mercy of God's pursuing you to overflow your cup prior to the resurrection, imagine now what's possible with me and what I've done for you. So Jesus, Jesus gets the cup of God's wrath, so you can have the cup of salvation overflowing. He gets God's judgment on this broken world so that you could have the cup of salvation. And so now every Sunday we practice Psalm 23. We come to his table and drink from his cup of salvation. Or we dip the bread into the cup of salvation. His blood shed for you to intervene God's goodness into your life. And if all that's true, and I'm telling you, it is true. It's the most true thing about you. That, is, that God has given his own son to invade limitless goodness into your life. If that's true, then those of us who believe it, what, what can we say to all the goodness that God has poured out onto us through his son Jesus. What could we give to him? Well, let's lift high the cup of salvation. Call on the name of the Lord and say, thank you. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we're going to come to your table now to cultivate gratitude, salvation, goodness, glory. Uh, so, wherever we find ourselves this morning, Father, I, I just trust you that Psalm 23 is true, and I don't need to say anything else. You are pursuing us with your goodness and mercy. Help us to slow down that it can overtake us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.